welcome to episode 118 of the Daniel Yoris podcast with today's guest, Miles Suing. Let's go. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Joined here today by Miles Suing. Miles, thanks for being here, man. I appreciate your time. Pleasure. I know things are always busy. We're just talking about the, just that, that we're both in Toronto, so it's finally feeling like summer in Toronto. The city is alive. The Leafs are still alive. Today is <laughs> what day is it? Thursday, May 11th. The Leafs are still alive, 3-1 down to the Panthers. I'm sure the city was buzzing last night. Uh, I know you live downtown. I don't, but uh, it's a good time to be in Toronto, I think. Yeah, summer's here. We were just talking about this, and you know, it's just good. The city's back alive. Yeah, feels that way for sure. Miles, how do you like to introduce yourself and you know tell people what it is that you do? So... Basically, I'm mostly working as an online fitness coach now. Um, I still do have a little bit of an in-person presence. Uh, that's what I did for you know the past ten years. Now, you know, pandemic and like a lot of coaches shifted over to online space, and you know, I usually work with people like around our age who are just you not know, busy jobs, busy lives, just trying to get them to work out, take care of themselves. Were you online at all pre uh, pre COVID? I was, but not to the level that I am now. Like I had like a handful of clients who were in person, but for whatever reason, you know, uh, location or you know just financial, they decided they wanted to keep working with me, but you know it just wouldn't work in person. So that's what we did eventually. Yeah, pretty pretty similar to me as well. I had a couple of clients who had moved away or I had moved and it's like, oh, I still want to work together, but obviously we're not even like remotely close to each other now. So how can we do this? But it wasn't like a thing that I was pushing or, or pursuing either. So it's really interesting to see like how many people ha- have come on and how the online space has changed over the past couple of years where a lot of really good in-person coaches have been kind of, you know, forced by, by to some degree to, uh, to come online. But I don't think it'll ever, I mean, I'm sure you agree with me. I don't think it'll ever replace an in-person coach. And I think that a lot of beginners really should start there anyways. For sure. Yeah. It's, it's a very different skill set. Like there's a lot of things you learn in person. I recommend like any new coach, you know, starting out with that. Um, But with that said, you know, it's like starting from scratch again, you know, growing an online business. What was your start into fitness? I know that you were always active your whole life, but when did you start to, you know, really pursue fitness as a thing, as opposed to just sports in general, just playing with your friends and whatnot? So like a lot of teenage guys, I started off because of girls. So it was one of these things where like, I, I was always a skinnier kid. Um, even though I was always like, you said, athletic, uh, into sports, um, but like, I would not get picked first in gym class sort of thing. So like, I, I like participating and like, I wasn't like incredibly like top level as far as athletes go, but you know, that was always something I was always moving. I was always active. Um, but what really shifted me over to fitness was, like I said, girls, um, it was more just, I wanted to look good in my, a t-shirt, um, but it was also one of these funny things where back in the day, um, there was this myth that, oh, like, if you're young, you're a kid, like, if you start lifting weights, you're not going to grow. 
So I waited till I was 18 until for some reason, as soon as it hit that 18 year old mark, oh, it's like magically the shackles come off, right? So um, that's when I started working out. Um, one of my buddies who, funny enough, like he was younger than me, but he was lifting weights. I didn't put this together. It's like, this guy's tall and like lifting weights doesn't make sense. Um, but yeah, so he took me to the gym one time. Um, it was just a small neighborhood gym. There was maybe like four people in there. And uh, I got a workout randomly off of uh, like a bodybuilding.com forum. And, you know, I one of my first few workouts, I just projectile vomited all over my mom's living room. <laughs> and yeah, I'll, I'll never forget that because like I'm sure new, a lot of new people kind of get into that mind space too where like I got gotta keep going to like puke um but yeah so it, it was a, a journey of that from that day um luckily I was able to find some good resources some well-respected coaches earlier on and eventually I went to university um these powerlifter guys took me under their wing they just saw me lifting they're like hey this guy looks like he wants to do stuff so you know I had that Eventually, my uh, my then roommate, he had a friend who was a, a trainer at our university gym, and uh, I was in the kinesiology program. I had no idea what I was going to do. Like, you know, like a lot of people in university, they're like, oh, am I going to go to med school? Am I going to go to, you know, like do my master's? And he's like, hey, why don't you try uh, being a trainer? Like, And for me, that was like a, not a plan, not even a plan B. It was like a plan F, right? But I didn't know what I was going to do. So I was like, hey, why not? I'll, I'll try it out. And then eventually just I fell in love with it. You know, 10 plus years later, here I am. So long story short, it's it's just been being in the right place and having the right people around me that led me to where I am today. There's lots to, lots to unpack there. And I don't think that your story is, is too uncommon as you alluded to. And, you know, there's, there, I can sense hesitation in your voice in saying that the, the initial reason that you started lifting weights was for girls. And I think that that's like so common and it's just attractiveness. And we can, we can blanket that term as attractiveness. People who get into the gym even later in life who just want to look better. And so, you know, we, we call it something different when we're not an adolescent, but really it's just trying to, uh, attract members of the opposite sex or we or same sex or whoever trying to attract pe- mates and uh, or, or trying to make yourself look better for yourself which you you know it's for yourself it really is for other people um, but I think what a lot of guys realize is like you start working out you get a little bit bigger and like the only people you really impress are like other dudes in the gym and like and you know <laughs> and that's cool too sometimes like the big guy in the gym finally noticing you and giving you a fist bump like a Good, good job, buddy. Is is more uh, is special feeling than you know the girl of your dreams noticing you in, in high school or whatever, right? Hundred percent, man. And and what do you remember? Some of those good resources. So you know, you mentioned that you got um some plans off bodybuilding.com, which I'm sure that we've all been down that road to some extent. I haven't been on that website to be fair in in a while, but I'm sure they're still putting out but no great stuff. Um, but there was a whole bunch of like really good stuff and really bad stuff. Do you remember who some of those people were who were early mentors or, or coaches from a distance of yours? So I, I can't say much about those bodybuilding forums because like who it, it's just like, you know, social media these days, anyone can post there. Um, so it's basically like me picking a workout out of men's health. 
these days, but the first legit resource I got, and I actually, I think I got this suggestion from that forum was, um, Alan Cosgrove. So, um, he owns, uh, results fitness in California. Right. So he had this, uh, what was the name of it? New rules of lifting was the name of the book. Um, and it was a very, you know, straight to the point, do your compound lifts. And this was back in the day when, um, people were like, Oh, like machines are bad for you. So it was a lot of, you know, squats, deadlifts, presses, all that stuff. So I did get a good foundation off of that. Um, and this was back in the day, like reading out of a magazine, getting workouts out of a magazine, out of books was the norm. Now it's social media wasn't as big. Um, so that's where I got it. Um, I, of course I had injuries along the way. Like I never really hired my own coach until at least five years into my fitness journey. So it was just me on my own. Um, so it, it was a process of learning over a long period. Um, and then as far, like I've, I've tried like, one extreme to the other extreme where like some days, I don't know if you know, go mad or gallon of milk a day. So basically you're drinking, uh, you know, homogenized 3% milk every day for until you get to your goal weight. So (laughs) I was a skinny kid and I needed a lot of calories to put on weight. So that was like my, my hack back in the day. And it, like, it wasn't pretty, um, like I'm lactose intolerant. So that imagine how bad that was. Um, yeah, it was that, you know, eating like a whole pizza after each workout. Um, and then I went to complete opposite direction where it was like chicken, like chicken breast, broccoli, that sort of thing. So, you know, eventually finding that middle ground with what works for me today. Would you say that that is one of the bigger mistakes that you made is, is going to those extremes? But at the same time, I'd also imagine that you learned a heck of a lot by going to those extremes too, right? Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't label it as a mistake. It was a, it was a fun. And, um, of course, like if, if I knew what I knew now, I would definitely choose what I know now. But like at the time, like I wasn't the only person doing this in my circle. Like, like I said, these powerlifter guys found me. Some of these guys were also getting into this stuff. So like, it was like a learning, but also like, uh, there was like, like a sense of camaraderie between these guys because we're going through the same things, right? So in in that respect, like I treat it more as a lesson, but yeah, definitely if I know now what I knew, or or if I knew then what I know now, yeah, 100% I would do what I'm doing now. Yeah, and I think that this is especially applicable to to younger people because like you said, you started when you were 18, which 18 year old has money to hire a coach or has money like to do anything other than go to the movies or, you know, whatever, right? So. When, of course, you and I are both big proponents of hiring a coach for, for your business, for fitness, for you know things that you don't know how to do. We both, of course, see the value in it because it's what we do. But at the same time, there's a lot of value, I think, in just try stuff and kind of figure it out on your own. And I think we all know the limits of our own body. Like if you were drinking a gallon of milk a day and like, you know, vomiting and, and like getting really sick, you would have been like, all right, this is obviously not okay. I should stop this, right? And you'll go through some discomfort and you listen to the guys and be like, all right, it's, you know, it's, it's going to get better. It's going to be good. But when it's really crossed the line, you, you know when it's really crossed the line. So I think there's a lot of value in just like try some stuff and figure it out and do what you can. And then when you're 
able to hire a coach or when you've gone through some of the trial and error on your own and be like, all right, now I need a little bit more direction. Cause at first you don't even know what you don't know. Right. And I think that's one of the big parts of like this whole discovery process is there's so much information. We don't even know where to start sifting through it. And so just try stuff, figure out what obviously doesn't work and then move on from there. Right. Yeah. And, and to add to that, like you're talking about 18 year olds. Yeah. They, 18 year olds, we, we didn't have money back then, but we have a hell of a lot of time. So like you have all this time to try all this stuff out. Um, like if you compare that to where we're at now, like we don't have that much time. So like it's easier to get a coach as, and probably ideal to get a coach just cause like, I don't have time to go through like YouTube and all these things to trial and error everything. Right. Yeah. That's actually a really good point too. Right. I mean, part of a lot of what you say is coaching busy people and you know, who's not busy. Everybody's busy. Everyone's got lots of things going on, but you know, for the most part, 18 year olds, not that busy, despite what you think you might, you know, you're busy with your classes. Like it's really not, it's really not all that much, but we all convince ourselves of that, but you can spend, you know, four hours a night on YouTube watching people and listening to shows and reading articles and then just go in the gym for three hours and just try stuff and try 19 variations of bench press until you figure out the one that feels good to you. But as a, you know, 37 year old mother of two kids, like you can't be doing that obviously. And that's where you just need a little bit of like, cut the crap, give me what I need to know. And, and then I'll go execute. Right. Exactly. What are some of then like the the progressions through your lifting career? So you went into the powerlifting and then you don't you don't powerlift anymore. And how has your I guess what I'm asking is how has your own like pursuit of fitness changed and evolved over the years as you've also grown as a as a person? So like I said, so the first few years, like I, I would say the first five years was very more aesthetics and then as these guys these powerlifter guys took me under the wing it was more shifting to strength without really much regard for how i looked like i when i was drinking all that milk i was not like i don't look fit at all like walking upstairs like i could, I could feel my weight like i have a reminder when i go to visit my parents because we took a i remember we took a family portrait back then at my heaviest and like i could see my my biggest self every time I go to my parents' living room. So, um, but that just all that to say, um, that was, you know, it's kind of a, it changes from face to face. So like aesthetics is down here, strength is down here. Eventually I shifted over to Olympic weightlifting, which is, you know, it's faster movements. Um, I can't really be as heavy as I, or slow as I was as a powerlifter. So I had to lean out a little bit more. Um, it was more focusing on just pure performance. Um, and then this is where a lot of injuries came in. So yeah, perform, but also like as far as health goes, and this also was in the powerlifter days, but yeah, health took a bit of a, a back seat. So I did that for a few years, competed. Um, and then eventually really, I, I kept doing that until basically the pandemic. And then during the pandemic, you know, everything was shut down. Like I couldn't train all this stuff. So, you know, like a lot of people just training at home, making do with what I had, you know, um, I had one or two kettlebells, bands, all that stuff. So it's just being resourceful with what I had. So I was doing more kettlebell work, um, definitely more endurance, more, uh, um, aerobic training. So very different, more, and definitely health was better at the time, at least physical health, mental health, you know, it was all in the shitter for everybody. Um, but, yeah, and then eventually coming out of the pandemic is more 
somewhere in the middle, more balanced of just, um, and also during the pandemic. So this is where I started to lean into other physical activities outside of fitness. So I'm a big dancer, so I'm very involved with the dancing here in Toronto. Um, so I did that more, um, because I've always been a dancer throughout my life since I was a teenager. So I, I got back in touch with that side of myself. Um, so my training is more aligned to how I can dance better, but also just like balancing out, you know, the rest of my life, whether let's say I just want to go for a run. I, I just want to, I like these days, um, I'm behind my desk all the time. It's just longevity that, you know, I don't end up with problems, which I noticed over the pandemic because I wasn't moving as much, you know, like I would get like neck pains, back pains, all this stuff. It's just more maintaining myself now, especially that I'm in my thirties. It's just more longevity at this point. Yeah, I think that's a really good way to to sum it up is just training to maintain yourself. You're, you're not really training to be the strongest or the leanest or the biggest or the fastest or whatever anymore. And, and like, and that's totally fine. No one, you don't have to be doing that unless you're competing in some sport, but you want to be able to just feel good when you wake up, not be in pain, be able to dance for however many hours you, you want and not be in pain with that and be able to go through it from the cardio aspect of that and to be able to you don't just do the things that you want to do. If you want to just go for a run, you can just do that. It's not like a, oh, well, that, that cardio is going to like affect my squat. And I, you know, that's not a way to live your life. That's fine to compete for those things, but not a real way to go about things beyond competition. And so I think that we all kind of come to that at, at some point and then it might vary. You might get an itch one day to compete in a strength competition again, a powerlifting competition, and you might go back to that. I don't think you're leaning that way, but like, it's not out of the question and you could be able to, you would be able to do that because your body is like still healthy and whatever and finding that, but finding that balance is pretty hard and understanding that, Hey, like the health aspect of this really matters a lot too. It's easy to discount it a lot when you're young. Cause you just don't think of it until you start to realize like, wow, it's hard to like go for a walk. Like, why am I so out of breath? Like I'm in, I'm in shape, quote unquote. And I like huffing and puffing going up the stairs. Like this is not, <laughs> this is not normal. And then things start to hurt and whatever. And then you just find out that like, all right, there's a little bit more here than just trying to be the the biggest and the strongest. And I think a way to classify this is kind of calling it just lifestyle fitness. You're not zeroing in on anything. You're just trying to like use fitness as a way to support your lifestyle. And I think that that's really the way that that it should be used. It shouldn't be the main thing that's taking over our life, right? Exactly. Like it's for a lot for a lot of people. Like it's important to acknowledge that yeah, fitness is. There's going to be people who will never really love fitness, and that's totally fine. Um, but if they're able to find a way to reframe it so that like okay, this is something I will do, so I can do all the other things I want to enjoy doing, like what have you. If if you want to do, I don't know, like playing video games or um like if you're just gonna play video games you're probably not gonna have a good physical health by itself but you know like if you're able to do all these other things to take care of yourself in the long term you're gonna be able to do that whether it's video games or you want to go hiking whatever play with your kids just keep up with them what have you yeah just just being able to live your life and now that we're you know through covid and we can do things again you, you see a lot of people going out to do stuff but they've their health has been so negatively impacted by the past couple of years of all the stuff that happened that it's there's a lot of difficulty with with going through that. And one thing that you touched on that I just want to kind of come back to is the mental health component of exercise, which is 
unbelievably important and has been like massively highlighted, I think, over the past couple of years where people lost the ability to exercise. And one of the big screams for getting back in the gyms and all that stuff was like, I don't care about being big. I don't need to go to the gym and like get big biceps. I just need to go to the gym because that's my mental health way of dealing with it. That, that, that was a butchered sentence, but <laughs> this is my way of dealing with, with mental health is just exercising and being around that community. So what are some of the ways that that you have found uh, like to include exercise as part of your own mental health hygiene? If you're, if you're comfortable you know, discussing that just in, in general. So I want to take it more outside of just exercise. And this is probably why for me, I started doing dance again, because I was just at a point where, you know, I was getting bored of just do, using kettlebells at home. And, and <laughs> that, that was weird for me after, you know, I've been working out since I was 18 and I never really like outside of the odd, you know, trip vacation in there, like I never really missed a workout. Like I was very consistent throughout those years. So for that to happen for me to have this kind of um, like identity shift where like, okay, like where am I? Like, what is my relationship to working out? So that was like a, like a whole mind fuck for me. So it was eventually I tried to find ways to or move outside of working out. And this is also for me, like, I talk about this with clients, like your foundation is your workouts, your strength training, but also find other things you can do for your physical and mental health to that you can enjoy. And it's, it's just more like play for you. It's not necessarily a chore or, you know, that you have to do it. It's just something you do. So for me, that's how I rediscovered dance. Um, it's something I do, you know, like I'm, I, I perform. So that was part of the mental health piece for me. And then um, that's how my relationship with um, fitness for myself changed as well. So I'm like, I accepted that we're like, okay, this is something that it feeds into each other. So like I strength train, so it'll support all the other stuff that I enjoy doing, but I want to do all these things too. So I can also, um, it, it, it just goes together for me, you know? So um, it's, it's more multifaceted than just, lifting weights like with dance for me like there's a social component to that it's all encompassing for for my whole lifestyle basically yeah i think just to you know kind of repeat something we we said a few minutes back was just allowing you to live your life right like the workout being the foundation allows you to go do those things so it's maybe it's not the workout itself that is like your place of mental solitude and for some people it is and and that's totally cool and and okay but some people it's like well i just need to work out so that my knees don't hurt so that i can go to the dance class on the weekend or so that i can go snowboarding in the winter or so that i can go play tennis on you know in the evenings or whatever it is whatever thing you like to do and it doesn't actually matter what that thing is but it's a heck of a lot more exciting for most people to go to a dance class, go play tennis, go snowboarding, then to sit on a treadmill, like just walking in the gym endlessly for purposes of cardio. It's like, you know, great if you're really training for something, but I would much rather play a sport or do some sort of activity and not hurt while I'm doing that than just go and walk on the treadmill. And it's also underrated how, how I don't want to use the word dangerous because it's too strong of a word, but how injury 
prone some of these events can be. If you're not exercising at all and you just sit on the couch and, and, and you're overweight and whatnot and you go play tennis or go do a really intense dance class or something, you're moving in awkward ways and uncontrolled kind of movements and there is a potential for injury. I'm sure people in dance classes roll their ankles and stuff all the time. You step, you cross your feet wrong, something like that, and it happens. And therefore, someone who's strength training just generally has better strength, balance, coordination, and control of their body in general is going to be better able to do that activity safely and therefore continue to be able to do that activity, right? Yeah, agreed. And yeah, that's actually a good point you brought up snowboard because I, I know you went up north a lot too over the winter. So that's another thing I do as well. <laughs> like a lot of people like think, think things like this, like skiing, snowboarding is like, oh, this is like a young man, the young person's game, like young person's sport, right? Like, and then after a while, after a certain age, people just stop going. It's like, no, like I've seen like seniors, you know, 67 year olds on the hills too, who take care of themselves. It's just a matter of, do you maintain that through all those years or you just, do you just let yourself go after a certain age? Yeah, absolutely. For, for me, this was my first a winter ever snowboarding. I had never done it in the past. And I have like a, a very, very uh, long history of knee injuries. And I've had tons of knee injuries my whole life. And I know that like I was fine and I didn't, well, I got a shoulder injury, but that's just because I fell because I suck at snowboarding, but that's separate from like the, the, the activity itself. But um, I could tell that my knees, had I not been strength training and taking care of myself all this time, if I just tried to go do it, I would have been in like unbelievable amount of pain and 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 actual serious injuries to my knees just based on doing the activity even properly but because i've been training and been taking care of myself and all that stuff i was able to just decide to go do it and then and then do it right and and that's one of the that was one of the big eye openers for me i mean i've i've opened my eyes to this a lot <laughs> over the past number of years but that was one of the big things for me it's like oh yeah i can feel what this feels like and i know that this feeling would be horrendous if i wasn't taking care of myself so another you know check mark to strength training for allowing me to be able to just on a whim pick up snowboarding yeah this is a one thing i mentioned to to like other dancers or other people who want to get into things like this or snowboarding have you later on, like after, you know, if they haven't grown up doing that is like with strength training too, it's something that one, not all only teaches you like how to move. Um, it's also making you more injury resistant, but like it gives you a sense of your body. Um, some people more than others, but like, let's say like you were just talking about with, snowboarding it's like you're starting to feel these things you notice these things but like if you were to go from like someone completely new like a blank slate to throw them on the hill they're like have no sense of what their body's doing it's just like you're sliding on snow or on ice but if it's someone who is you know has a good awareness of their body they're getting stronger these things they notice oh like okay when i'm up on the hills this does not feel good for me i probably shouldn't be doing this or like this the adjustments i should be doing as i do this activity yeah agreed and i think even an extension of that is like it's easier to pick up new activities i think this is also attributed a lot to to sports specifically not not strength training but if you didn't play sports as a kid like you can't just go back in time and do that so strength training is your thing now to gain control of your body and understand what your body feels like one of the things that i noticed in picking up snowboarding was that it didn't take me very long to figure out the very basics of it. And the way that I did it wasn't by like using uh, some guide of 
here are the here are the steps to do. Like I had someone showing me and teaching me and whatnot, but it was more like let me just go and like fall down and feel what my body feels like and just do stuff, and and I will be able like, internally be able to feel what my body is doing and know like all right, if I lean back too much, then then I'll fall down. If I shift my hips this way, then I fall down or whatever it is. And so because I have that understanding of my body versus others who have less of an understanding of their of their body you need that like step-by-step process and it takes a lot longer to feel like what it's supposed to feel like because snowboarding and, and a lot like tennis dance, all these things like they happen quickly. They're not happening one step and one, you know, microsecond at a time. So you've got to blend a whole bunch of things together. And the only way to do that is to feel it and, and, you know, to learn how to feel your body and learn what your body is doing is quite a challenge, but strength training is a fantastic avenue to go about doing that. Yeah, and the nice thing about strength training is because you get multiple exposures. Assuming like someone's on like a regular, you know, three, maybe four times a week program, it's like you're doing this for several times a week and then you get a sense of you're doing this all the time versus if it's maybe you just go from nothing all the way straight to like a sport or which maybe you'll play once a week, if that, and that's seasonal too, whereas strength training you do all year round, you get more practice with it basically with how your body moves and how your body feels as you're doing these activities, these movements, which transfer over a lot quicker had you just started with that activity. Yeah, and I think, again, just to highlight the the injury aspect of it, some people don't, like, if, you don't, if you're not doing anything, you almost don't even know what hurts, and so some people start doing an activity, and it's like, oh, I started... But again, just whatever tennis roll with that. It's like I started tennis and like all of a sudden my, my ankles hurt. And it's like, well, it's not really because of tennis. It's because your ankles were already bad. You just weren't doing anything to notice it. But had you been strength training, you would have been able to correct whatever's going on with that movement pattern. Again, assuming you're on like a half decent program that's like somewhat structured, at least not just going to the gym and only doing bicep curls. That's that's not it. But if you're doing something at least half decent, you'll be able to figure out these things and correct them so that when you go do these things, you can just do them and not worry about injuring yourself or being so sore from your 30 minute tennis game that you can't even go to work the next day, which that's not the point. You're not trying to be a professional tennis player. You're just trying to have a little fun and it's not fun when you're in pain. No, it actually reminds me of just taking it back to the powerlifting days. Um, like for me, like my mom, like when she found out that I was doing all this stuff, she's like, no, please don't do this. It's like, you're going to hurt yourself. It's like strength training, not, not even powerlifting, just strength training, just the process of, you know, the progressive adaptation through months to years, you get a sense of like, if something is not right for you, you're not going to progress through these things. You're not going to see the adaptations that you want if you're doing it wrong. Um, and it's within a controlled environment, right? So you're, it's just you and the weights really, unless you're doing some sort of group class. Um, and even then, um, but like if let's say it's a sport, like a contact sport, especially you have less control of, of your environment of the people around you. So as far as injury risk goes, like strength training is pretty low on that spectrum. So that's a good way to build that foundation for people. I think that's one of the biggest myths that has harmed strength training is this concept of you can hurt yourself in the gym. And if you don't do things with like good form, you can hurt yourself. And like, you definitely can, but I'm sure you've seen as well, Miles, like I've seen people in gyms do some like pretty bad things as far as form goes. And like, they don't hurt themselves. Like you have to do things really wrong 
enough times to like really seriously injure yourself, you can definitely get some little tweaks here and there, but the body is pretty resilient. You will get away with a lot of stuff. And like, as long as you're not being like completely idiotic, it's, it's not that easy to hurt yourself in the gym. It's a very controlled environment. And I think the best part about what you're saying is the direct response you get from what you do. If you're doing something right, it's going to work. There's not like this wishy-washy, like, oh, well, the other guy on the other team, like, you know, body checked me. So therefore, like, I didn't score. I didn't whatever. Like when you get out what you put in from the gym, and I think that that's one of the best things from it. If you're doing things right, it's going to work. If you're doing things wrong, it's not going to work. And you'll know that pretty quickly. And then you'll be able to, in theory, change what you're doing to get where you want to go. Yeah. And assuming you're not someone who's really stubborn, who just wants to keep doing it on your own, you know, eventually, like if something doesn't feel right, you're going to seek out, you know, whether it's on the internet, you're going to find something that might help with that. Or, you know, you reach out to like, let's say a coach or someone in your gym, like the next guy over in the next rack who might know what he's doing. Like you're, you're going to change something based on that feedback that your body gives you. You're not just, whereas in, in sport, it's, it's kind of hard to do that sometimes depending on what sport it is. Um, but it's the immediate feedback that you get with strength training as you go along that helps that as drive your positive adaptation. Another good point that, that you made there is asking just other people in the gym for help. And I think that this is probably something that people should be a little bit cautious with just because just because someone looks like they know what they're doing, it doesn't mean they exactly know what they're doing. But I think the important thing to highlight here is even for small stuff like figuring out how to adjust a piece of equipment, how to you know move the bench up and down or how to adjust a seat on a uh, whatever on a piece of equipment, like people are nice in the gym, like people are going to help you and you boost up their ego by asking them for help. So I think just a, you know, a call out to anyone who's like, you know, maybe relatively new to the gym or if you're going into a new gym, don't be afraid to ask people for help. And if you really think someone, you know, looks like they know what they're doing and they're, you know, they're, they seem kind and, and whatever, like ask them for help with your form. You're not interrupting people like crazy unless they're like, you know, hoodie on headphones on in the zone. Like don't, don't go up to that person like in the middle of their set and like tap them on the shoulder. <laughs> Don't do that. But generally, I think the the community of of fitness is pretty helpful, and and I think that a lot of us have have found that and are happy to continue to pass on everything that we've learned because we were all in in those shoes one day as well, and still are to some degree. Yeah, usually those guys are really big and strong, and um, usually they're the people who are the nicest people in the gym. So, you know, you walk up to them, talk to them, yeah. have a nice friendly conversation with you. They're not like scary, huge monsters. So definitely talk to these people, you know, they know what, well, not, I won't say all the time, but a lot of times they know what they're doing. Yeah. If, if they, if they've gotten, if they've been in the gym for long enough, they probably at least can help you out or maybe point you in the right direction at least. And just people are kind. It's a, it's a great community. So one thing that I kind of want to just switch gears on a, a little bit here is talking about scheduling and setting up one's environment for success. We, we alluded to in the beginning that, you know, everybody is busy. Everyone's got lots of things going on, crazy job schedules, kids, extracurriculars, family, social events, like all, we've all got lots of stuff going on and we're all busy. Ask anyone how you're doing. Oh, I'm busy. Okay. So how do you, like, what are some of your strategies for setting up your schedule? Let's go in the schedule side of things first, but setting up your schedule for success to include exercise and and healthy eating and living habits. So for me personally, I have days of the week where I, I do all these things. So Typically for me, like my week doesn't start on Mondays. 
So what I do is I save Sunday as a day where I will, you know, I will look ahead to my schedule, put stuff in my calendar, workouts especially. Um, and this really goes for anything, you know, it could be like nutrition, it could be workouts, it could be work. Um, but yeah, planning is a big part of that. And for some people, it's more of a skill that has to be learned. Uh, it's for me, like really once, once I figured out too, I, I didn't always used to do this on Sundays. Like there were times where I would just swing it, like just show up on Monday and then hope I had a good week, which was what a lot of people do. Right. And that's where you run into trouble. But if you even have some sort, even a little bit of preparation going into your week, you're already ahead and you're, it's easier to stick to the things you want to do, the habits you want to build. If you have some sort of structure versus if you're just winging it and hoping that these things happen. Yeah, that's a, that's a massive thing. And I think the most important thing that you said there for people to understand is it doesn't mean that planning doesn't mean writing out every single minute of your week, even having a loose plan of like, I'm going to get to the gym on Tuesday afternoon is like sometimes a lot better than, than just winging it. And so just having that loose plan and having roughly even thought about it is like, it's not going to, you're not going to forget to do it. You're not going to forget to go to the gym and Tuesday rolls around. It's 9 PM. Like, Oh damn, I forgot. I could have gone earlier, but I forgot. So even just having that very loose plan is a really good place to start for, for a lot of people. Yeah. It it doesn't mean you're going to stick to that. You know, of course, if things pop up along the way that, you know, might take precedence over that. Yeah, definitely. You're going to do that. Let's say work, for example, but at least you have a sense of, okay, this is a real thing that I'm committing to myself that in that this is very important because um, it's easier if you're working with, you know, like you're signed up for a gym a class with a, a coach. Yeah, you are paying for that session, but let's say you're working out by yourself. Like if you're able to put that into your calendar, into your routine, that's a commitment to yourself. And I don't know about you, but, or other people, but like, if I see that on my calendar and I didn't show up to that, it's like, fuck, what, what, what did I do? Why am I doing this myself? This is why I'm not getting to where I want to be. So it's, it's a really committing to yourself that, okay, I'm going to do this at this time. Um, it's not always going to be perfect, but I'm going to make it. So it's a real thing that I know I have to do and I will do this at this time. It's that self-accountability aspect, right? There's a lot of talk about accountability in general and hiring a coach, joining an online group or joining, you know, these various things that are externally holding you accountable. But even just putting it in your own calendar, I guess you could make the argument that you're being held accountable by your calendar, but it's still it's still you. And so you don't feel like you want to, you know, check that thing on your to-do list and you didn't actually do it because you're only just, you're lying to yourself. Nobody else will ever see that. Nobody else will ever know, but you know that you didn't stick to what you said you were going to do. You know that you broke your own word to yourself and that's not a great feeling. And, you know, it might happen once, twice, but it's not going to happen too many times. So I, I love that. It's just like actually having things in your calendar, scheduling it in the same way you schedule your job and all your other meetings, you schedule that workout in and fit it in and, and make it happen. And sometimes, of course, yeah, stuff is going to come up. You're going to miss it. That's okay. But you shuffle things around and you do what you can and do the best that you can. You've got to also be flexible because you're not you know, you're not a professional athlete that, that it's like taking precedence over all the other things in your life. It's probably, you know, a little bit down the list as far as your life priorities go and that's okay, but it's going to, it's going to happen eventually if you, if you say that it's going to happen. Yeah. And like a little nuance to that too, is 
depending on where you're at in your journey, let's say you're someone who's newer, you might need a little bit more of that external accountability. You know, it's going to be tough for you. There's going to be more things that you need to overcome. But eventually, once you get rolling, when it becomes more automatic to you, then you can bring in less of that external and more it's you're eventually going to internalize it and be like okay this is like a thing i just do it's like brushing my teeth and it's easier to hold myself accountable again going back to this whole point that this is just going to be eventually hopefully something that you do in your life and it's just a part of your life and having that internal locus of control where it's like you are in control of your destiny and as cliche as that may sound and we don't maybe maybe destiny is not a good word to use there because it's a little bit too too grandiose but you are in control of your results right if you don't go to the gym then like you're not going to get results if you do go to the gym and use an intelligent program and consistent with your nutrition blah 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 if you do those things you're going to get the results that you want and there's no one else that's like oh well because it rained today i didn't lose weight like that's not how that's not how it works so you are fully in control and the sooner that i think people can understand that and internalize that the faster it is you're going to be to make to make results for sure what are some of then of the things that you do to control your physical environment in in your home or in the places that you work and and maybe even socially to an extent whatever it is that applies to you to to also be conducive to living your you know healthiest life so that's where a lot of friction, not, not like friction as in like this, but like as friction is, like I mean getting things done, like less obstacles, maybe that's a better word. Um, so to getting all these things done. So let's say you join a gym that's half an hour away from you. The likelihood of you going to that gym on a daily, maybe like three, four times a week basis is lower than let's say you join the gym that's right across the street from you, right? So if you can find a way to lessen this obstacle this friction it's more likely for you to get the things done and same it comes for you know nutrition like if you have no idea how to cook that's a pretty big obstacle for your, for a lot of people like you're just going to end up getting you know uber eats delivery all the time versus like maybe if you took like a cooking course okay like now you know how to cook even if it's just like a very basic meal you're a lot better off than like if you were just getting delivery and didn't know how to cook at all. Yeah. Cooking is a, is a big one. And maybe I'm spoiled in this, that my mom is an amazing cook and taught us and, you know, somewhat involved us and in, in whatever growing up. And it's like, I don't, maybe I'm not a, I'm definitely not as good a cook as my mom or my grand, my grandmother's, but like, I know how to cook decent meals and you know, you can just, you figure it out. You try some things, use a new spice, use a new this, whatever, and, and you figure it out. But it's a really big barrier, um, for a lot of people and just not knowing how to cook and and refusing to take the steps to learn how to cook and not realizing how much that's actually impacting their ability to make progress. And, and quite honestly, it's really not that hard. You're not going to make gourmet meals, but it's not that hard to make food that doesn't suck, you know? Yeah. And again, going back to like this app for me, actually, this is one of the things that I want to get to eventually is to, to take a cooking course or a cooking class because for all these things that people are trying to learn, like whether it be working out, cooking, you know, knowing like what to do or what the right things are makes it so much more fun than if you're just trying to wing it and, you know, just picking stuff off of the internet. 
Um, it, it's the same, you know, like for example, snowboarding, like if I were just to go on my own, like I would be falling all over the place and I would hate it because I'd just be sore and hurt all the time. But like, if someone even taught me how to stand on a snowboard, for example, like that's a hell of a lot more fun because I'm not hurt or like in the case of cooking, like I know where to start. Yeah. Having some basic understanding of where to start is, is certainly helpful. And for, for some other people as well, this is something that I was like, when I was a little bit less mature, I was maybe more like a hard O kind of against this stuff, like the meal prep things like, Oh, you don't need that. You can just cook for yourself and whatever, but I'm going to get your opinion on this as well, Miles, but I, I've come around a lot more to some people. They just, they, 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 maybe they do, or maybe they don't, but they perceive that they don't have enough time slash their or, and, or they're not willing to cook and prepare their own meals. In that case, I'm actually very much a fan of like, okay, that's okay. I wouldn't do it that way in my life, but if that's your thing, then that's your thing. But there are so many meal delivery services now and that will, that will bring you like prepped healthy meals with, you know, protein and vegetables and in some carb or whatever it is that, and, and they're really not that expensive that you can use that instead of just defaulting to Uber Eats, pizza, burgers, whatever, all the time. And so I think the point of that there is like understand what your environment and what your schedule and what you're willing and not willing to do and then make the best decision. If you're really not willing to cook, then invest in one of the meal delivery services. Find one that's like, you know, local to your area and like just use that and then at least lean on that instead of like leaning on junk food all the time. Yeah, agreed. It's, you know, it's different priorities for different people, different stages in life. Um, someone who has, you know, like a single mom who has two, three kids is not going to have the same amount of time or, um, willingness to, you know, cook all her meals all the time. Like a lot of times she's just going to be eating off of her kids' plates. Right. So, um, someone in that stage of their life is going to be very different than someone who is, you know, single has a job and, you know, doesn't have any independence. So you got to take a look at where you're at. And then it's like, if you're getting, you know, advice from people on the internet, you got to be wary of, you know, where is this coming from? Like, I'm not going to take advice from most of the time from like a 21 year old who's fresh out of school. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's just adapting this advice to your current situation, figuring out what works for you. Like, like I said, I would used to be like, Oh, you should cook. Like there's no excuse, whatever. And like, I think that most people can do more than they, than they are currently doing or say that they're capable of in like a lot of aspects, maybe not cooking, but just like overall. But, but I understand that people have different challenges and different, you know, issues and and scheduling conflicts and stuff like that. So I think that we can do more, but also like there are plenty of tools that exist to like offset those things. Now they cost a little bit more money. Sometimes, sometimes they don't actually cost that much more money, but there are things out there and ways to, to get around them. Another thing with this is even just, and you alluded to this with like the proximity of the gym. That's a huge one. People sometimes like to go to like a fancier gym that's a little bit farther away and don't realize that, you know, their workout should take from, you know, house from the door of your house back to the door of your house should take an hour and 15 minutes. And now it's taking like an hour and 45 minutes because they're choosing to go to a farther away gym. And that's a big impediment. Another thing with this is just like little time saving workouts. Like your workout doesn't always need to be an hour in the gym. It could be a home workout. It could be different styles of workouts. And where I'm getting at here is I want you to just discuss some of like, 
if you have any kind of like time saving sort of tips or, or routines that you use to like shave time off in the gym when you are someone who is like pretty busy and don't have time to be in the gym for an hour and a half, what are some of the ways you go about programming for, for people who can only have like 30 minute workouts? Yeah. So I think this is one of the beauties of the pandemic and kind of how it opened up like different ways of training too, um, is, you know, just being open to shorter workouts, even if just for the sake of, you know, getting up out of your chair during your work day and moving, um, or just to give yourself a bit of a, like a mental boost during your day. So, um, what I did a lot was, especially over the lockdowns was I would give clients some of these shorter workouts where, you know, it would just be like a 15, 20, 30 minute workout. So like a, a lot of times I would use like a density, you know, like just a set number of exercises, do it for a set amount of time and just try to get as many rounds of that within that time frame as you can. So, you know, you can still, like if you're someone who likes working up a sweat, you'll get a good amount of that. Um, yeah, so it's, it's still a good amount of work within a short amount of time. And then for some people, it might just be like, just get moving. It's not, not like you're trying to like sweat too much. You just want to get moving and going back to the mental health piece. It's just once you get moving, it, you know, you just feel better. Your mood gets better. Um, you're able to focus, especially if you do this in the middle of your day, you know, you get a bit of a break and then you can go back to work if you want. So there's that. Um, but as far as my own clients go, like I do give them options for, you know, like the more traditional one hour, 45 minute workout. And then they'll have like a backup workout where they're going to be, okay, like on some days you're just feeling like crap. Maybe you'll do this or, you know, you're just really pressed for time. Do like a shorter 20, 30 minute workout and that's totally fine. Right. I mean, ideally that's not the norm. They, they still want to get the full benefit out of the workouts, but it's not to say they don't get any benefit out of the shorter ones. There's definitely not no benefit from those shorter workouts, but I think that I've been very critical of this and a lot of the messaging through through COVID and stuff with the home workouts was like a lot of people saying stuff like, you know, this strength training at home, like building, you know, massive strength and they're doing like, you know, bent over rows with like a can of soup. And it's like, unless you're 97 years old, like that's not, that's not strength training. Like, you know, you're, you're a 28 year old woman, like you, you can lift a can of soup very easily. Like you could do a thousand reps of that. So it's not strength training. And so I think, you know, not to, not to undermine it, like it's still important to do these like mini workouts and stuff when you can, but just understand that like, Hey, there is an actual benefit to doing a full on workout in the gym with proper equipment and, and all that stuff. And these little things are great. And I do the same with my clients, especially clients who travel a lot. It's like we're dealing with hotel gyms and sometimes the gym, sometimes the hotel doesn't have a gym or it only has like dumbbells that go up to 12 pounds or, you know, whatever it is. And it's like, okay, well just throw a band in your, in your uh, carry on and here's your hotel workout. Yes. It's off program and it's not helping you, you know, reach your goal of like increasing your squat weight, but at least it's moving and at least it's something and just finding ways to like fit these little things in is, is a great way just for the sake of exercise for the sake of exercise, but not necessarily contributing to your specific fitness goals. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the key word, right? It's, it's the goals, right? Like if you're someone who wants to get stronger, if you only have dumbbells that go up to like 25 pounds, you're probably leaving a lot in the tank. So, you know, obviously you want something more. If you're someone who, you know, like, like I said, you just want to get moving, like you're a bit more of a beginner. Sure. Yeah. You're going to get some benefits, some, um, 
good adaptations out of that in the beginning, but eventually you move on to bigger, you know, you need more equipment basically. It's one of the things for me that's been like amazing seeing people's reactions, clients' reactions, and, and more specifically female clients more often, but they, they'll start off working out at home and they have, you know, dumbbells that go up to 20 or 25 and they're like, yeah, like I'm good. I have lots of equipment. Like dumbbells go up to 20 pounds. Like that's, that's plenty. And I was like, uh, okay, like we'll see about that. And then, you know, very, very quickly they're like, oh, these dumbbells are like too light. Like I need, I need heavier stuff. I'm like, see, like see how capable you are, how strong you are, like that you thought the twenties were like good and you didn't even realize how strong you were. But just all that is to say is like, not that you need to go to a gym or need to have like a full on gym in your house and all that stuff. But like you are stronger than you think. And if you have some light weights in your house, you will quickly outgrow those if you're following a program that is even remotely good. Yeah. Well, on that note too, going back to, you know, like having friction. So how much less friction are you going to get? Like if you have your weights, like let's say back there versus like having to go, you know, like a couple streets down. Yeah. You're probably going to be more likely. And this is also one of the things that I like that came out of the pandemic is just people basically building up their whole home gym. Like I've had clients who never, they used to go to a commercial gym and then they bought equipment and then they just kept building and building and building. Eventually, like I have clients who have like the basement set up for that stuff now. So it's great. You know, it's like, it's so much easier for people to get workouts in these days. Yeah. I think it's incredibly valuable to have a home gym. And even if it's not a full setup, but at least a few things, I think like the adjustable dumbbells are really great. I think the biggest impediment really is the space to have extra space in your home to do this. But if you have the space, the equipment's not cheap, but it's not that expensive if you're just buying like home grade equipment. If you're buying commercial stuff and like big fancy machines and stuff, sure, that's going to run you like thousands of dollars, but you can get a pretty good gym setup in your house for under a thousand dollars easily. And it's perfect for saving, saving time and getting these like little mini workouts in when you can't get to the gym or, you know, whatever other craziness happens, you just swing a kettlebell around a bit and, and you're great for like really not that much money. So I think that's a huge thing. And, and I'm with you. It's a, it's one of the good, one of the, the very few good things that, that came out of the, the pandemic. Yeah. I mean, obviously it's going to be different from someone who lives you know, in downtown Toronto where they live in like a 500 square foot place versus someone who lives in the suburbs has like a three floor house, you know, you can put it in your garage or basement. Um, of course, just again, different, you know, situations. So you try to get as much little resistance out of these things as possible. So different strokes. Yeah. And just setting yourself up for, uh, for success. And, and one thing, you know, on this note, and I think a good place to, you know, start wrapping up, uh, a routine of yours that I really enjoy you doing or watching you do and that, that I want you to just talk about like, you know, what it means to you and how you use it to set yourself up for success is your like Sunday cafe routine. So you want to just kind of explain to people kind of like what that, what that's about and how you use it and how that kind of helps you to, to be your, the best version of, of yourself, both physically and professionally as a coach. So at the end of the day, like you want, if you're going to be doing these things for a long time, you want to make it fun because that's the best and really the only way for you to stick to it over the long term. So in my case, going to cafes. So if, if you don't know what that is, I basically every Sunday, I try to go to a different cafe within the city. And usually it's where I work, where I plan out my week. I'll spend you know a couple hours in there. But I, I made it a thing with my stories on, on my socials. So I just like to, you know, plan out where I'm going to go on Sundays. I'll do my 
work planning. I'll do my weekly planning in there. Just a way for me to enjoy the city, a way for me to get outside. And, you know, a lot of people connect with that too, because you're like, oh, this is my city and I haven't been to all these places. So like it, it works on multiple levels for me because one, it's fun. Two, people connect with it. And three, I get stuff done that I want to get done for the week. So you can extend this to working out, to physical activity. Like if you're not having fun, like a lot of people don't like running. So if you don't like running, don't run. Find something that you like doing. Like let's say if you're going to do aerobic activity, you'd rather go swimming. Like actually, I'm, I'm not that great at running. I don't mind it. But I have a pool in my gym here. So that's what I do for my aerobic fitness as an example, right? So you just want to find something that you can do over the long run that you can keep going back to. And, you know, whatever that is, whether if you want to go roller, you know, skating with your friends, by all means, go do that. If you want to play dodgeball, play dodgeball on the regular, right? So find that thing that works for you. It's fun. And it just makes you happy when you do it. I think that's a really good way to kind of sum up this whole conversation. Like, you know, as coaches, I'm certainly guilty of this. Like we get, we can get stuck in the weeds about comparing what's better and all this like exercise physiology mumbo jumbo and like being very particular about exercise selection and sets and reps and all this stuff. But at the same, at the end of the day, like the thing we want is for people to just go out and move. And like, that is going to do more than arguing about whether like a, a back squat or a front squat is better for that person. Like probably it doesn't make that much of a difference, but like as long as they're not sitting on the couch eating potato chips and like going out and moving and using their body, that's going to be the thing that's better. And so like the more we can get all on the same page about that, uh, the better, but I have enjoyed, you know, living vicariously through your, through your Sunday cafe routines is one of the things that I, one of the very few things I'm not, I'm a, I don't like downtown, but when I used to live downtown, I used to do a similar thing. I would go and try new cafes and stuff like that. And just a good way to see the city. And I think it's a good way to see other cities too. just go sit in a cafe and chill. Um, so I, I enjoy living, living that again, reliving that through your stories. So, uh, so I appreciate that from you, but I think it's a great, it's a great strategy and just a good way to set yourself up for, for success. For sure, man. Happy to take you on this uh, cafe journey. You know, whenever you're back downtown. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We'll make it happen, man. We'll make it happen. Miles, thanks so much for being here. I, I really appreciate your time and, and everything you've shared with us today. Let people know um, where the best places to find you are and get in contact with you. And I will uh, link that all in the show notes. Yeah. So my handle on Instagram is at Miles Strength. And you can just search me on Facebook too. I'm a little less active, but Miles Suing, S-U-I-N-G. Those are my two main channels. Perfect. Miles Strength on Instagram and uh, Miles Suing on, on Facebook. And uh, I'll link those things in the in the show notes. Miles, is there any last message that you want to leave the people with here in closing? Just get out there and move. It's, it's you know, getting warmer. It's summer. Get out there, whether it's going for a walk, if you want to try out a new sport, a new hobby, try it out. Beautiful, beautiful message. Thank you again, Miles. Thank you very much for being here and sharing with us, everybody. Miles Strength on Instagram or Miles Suing uh, on Facebook or just search him anywhere. Links will be in the show notes. Um, give me a follow as well on social media at Daniel Yours. If you're not already, be sure to share this episode with a friend who you know needs to hear it and will benefit from it. Like, share, subscribe to the podcast uh, in general. Leave a rating. That really helps a lot to make grow the show and to uh, you know just get this message out to other people. I appreciate each and every one of you. Go outside. 
be a good person. I'll chat soon.